tribe of Judah became the Lamb of God on your behalf so that you can become a child of God. This is the good news. This is the one who's worthy of your worship. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I want to, so much to do. We have an amazing uh, hour ahead of us. Not even an hour. So I want to move forward quickly. Um, Jared, will you come forward? Jared and I will be in Ukraine, in Kiev, leaving Saturday. So I'd like to pray over him. You know, there's a war. <laughs> Greatest conflict on earth right now, and we're heading to the middle of it. So, um, so would, yes, uh, we looked for oil, and we had oil-less people. So rep, rep, repent, you old sinners. Anyone have oil? Who has oil? Melissa has oil. She's oily. Boom. Oh, come on. I didn't doubt you for a moment. All right. Let's anoint the man of God. I'll receive. Gail, Angie. Anoint him. Hit me. Hit me. I'll take it. All right. Not too much. Not too much. All right. All right, pray for us. Father, we anoint them right now, and we send them in the power of your spirit and the authority of your name to bring the gospel of the kingdom into the middle of conflict, to bring peace into chaos, to bring healing and wholeness and deliverance. Father, we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you, God for sending them into the heart of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine to be peacemakers. And Father, I ask that there would be a multitude of angels dispatched to bring peace into the midst of this conflict, God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for speaking peace over these situations. God, I thank you for the promise the prophecy in the, in, in the Old Testament prophets, Lord, that you said a day would come when nations would turn their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and that never again would nation learn war. So, Father, we thank you for being peacemakers. You said those, those who are the peacemakers are sons of God. And we ask that you would bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free build up, train up, and equip the body of Christ to be the salt and the light of the earth in the midst of this great divide. Let the light shine in Kiev as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in Kiev as it is in heaven. We bless Tom and Jared. We cover them in the blood of Jesus and in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And we thank you they shall tread upon serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means harm them. In Jesus' name. All right. And Mona, Mike requests too is, is a lot of times when we go out... The enemy comes to our home. So if you could be so kind to be praying for our families as we go. Thank you. Yes, pray for us. Pray for our families. Be on alert. <laughs> um, as well, I had something. Let me see. Okay, so um, how many of you, you've been coming to Sozo under six months? Raise up a hand. Wave at me. 
Would you stand up real quick? It's okay. Just stand up. We want to celebrate you. Come on. Welcome. 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 All right. That also helps me to know who I'm talking to. Okay. Because, you know, my function in the body of Christ is apostolic. Now, that has to do with my, uh, what I do, my function in the body. Um, so apostles have been called out, sent ones. The, the ecclesia is the, is the called out ones. The oikos is what they are, which is family. Okay, I'm using Greek terms. Okay. The church for um, a very long time has not understood God's government, what he was trying to, to do when Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Okay? And so God has given a government, governmental leaders to his oikos, his family, um, and that's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Each of them have a function within the family. Now, three quarters of you have been brought precept upon precept to understand this. For the other quarter, I want to make sure that, um, that you understand that the reason the church has not taught much of this is their lack of understanding of the kingdom of God. Okay? So when we preach the, 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 what, what gospel for the quarter, not the three quarters, listen, if you've been coming longer than six months, quiet. For the new, the, those who are new, what gospel did Jesus preach? The gospel of the kingdom. It says he, he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing the sick. Okay? Those always went together. Okay? A kingdom, I'm going to get somewhere, and this isn't my normal message. This is a new message, um, but I want to lay a foundation for the new people. So, so the kingdom of God, that message is much different than the gospel of salvation. Okay? The church, especially in America, has preached the gospel of salvation, which we just did. Okay? Not saying we don't do that. It's just a part of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation is included in the gospel of the kingdom. But when you only preach the gospel of salvation and you leave out the kingdom then what happens is, is you're just waiting. Usually this is what happens in a church that only preaches the gospel of salvation. You get saved and you wait to go to heaven. And you really, you get really excited about the rapture because you're like, this thing's going to blink in a handbasket. So get me out of here, right? How many of you know a Christian like that? Come, Jesus, and because this is so bad. But the kingdom people realize there's stuff to do. Jesus' prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on the as it is in. So this is what's, what's going on is that a kingdom people are like, we got stuff to do. And so what the pastor's function is, now I'm not speaking against pastors. In fact, most pastors aren't pastors. So when a pastor who doesn't know the message of the kingdom would hear me say this, they're like, oh. And actually, most of them aren't pastors. Most of them are evangelists and teachers and apostles and prophets. Because the pastor's function is the caring for. Now, some churches, maybe let's say under 50, they have to be very high pastoral. Now, all of us are called. Peter is an apostle, and he calls himself a shepherd. A pa- it means 
a shepherd, pastor and shepherd is the same word, okay? So he calls himself, a we're all, I'm a shepherd, but my main function in this family is not shepherding, okay? My main function is apostolic, which has to do with strategy, which has to do with building, which has to do with order, which has to do, okay? So in fact, we have many pastors in this family, many, many, many pastors in this family, okay? So, so that's the difference, okay? We have teachers in this family, we have evangelists in this family, okay? So we want to see the fivefold of God's government because what's their function? To equip the saints, Ephesians 4, 11. He's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints and for the maturing unto the unity. So he says this is going to happen until we all come to the measure of the full standard, which is Christ. Now, we all know that's not happened. Anyone think the church has come to, to, to perfection? Not happened. So these gifts that were given to the church by Jesus, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor Jesus, were given until something. We have not come until that yet. So some have believed that these functions in the body of Christ have ceased. It's called cessationism. It's ceased and with it spiritual gifts. But it's only because we lack the understanding of the, the purpose of his oikos or his ecclesia, his family and his church, the called out ones. If we think it's just about getting people saved, then we, all we need is the gospel of salvation. So why would we need miracle signs and wonders? But when you realize it's about the kingdom and the fullness of the image of the kingdom given all the way through the Old Testament and the final two chapters of the scriptures give us a beautiful image of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Right? So the new Jerusalem descends, right? Zion, new Jerusalem, God with man once more. Chapter 22, for most of your Bibles, will say the new Eden. The new Eden. So it starts in a garden and it ends in a garden. It starts with God and man and it ends with God and man. Where are they? On the earth. Heaven and earth have become one once more. Jesus' prayer, God, may they be one as we are one, is fulfilled in Revelation 21 and 22. That's the fullness of the kingdom of God. Now Jesus came proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. And when they ask, and what we're going to read today, about where it's going to come and how the signs and knowing, he says, where is it? It's within you. That's where it starts. Now, we have to understand this because it's not about a geographical location. The kingdom is not about a geographical location. The kingdom of God is about a reign and a rule of a king. So the king has taken dominion of places on earth where he has been given permission to rule and reign. And that starts in your heart. Amen? But in the fullness of the kingdom in Revelation 21 and 22, is there any sick people there? So how come Jesus healed the sick? Because he came to bring his father's kingdom. And there's no sick in his father's kingdom, so sickness has to go. Are there any demons in Revelation 21, 22? There's none. So why is he casting out demons? They need to get out of his father's kingdom because it's at hand. It's right here, so that doesn't belong there. It needs to go. How come he's raising the dead? Are there any dead in Revelation 21 and 22? No, so the dead need to rise. So this is why Jesus is doing the outward demonstrations. He's making a space for his father. Where his father dwells, there's no demons, there's no sickness. Those things have to go. So the church, when we see in, Reve uh, in Mark 16 in the Great Commission, Jesus says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Any believers here? Yeah. 
So these signs will accompany those who believe. Not apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but those who believe. Any believers? Let me see it again. What signs will accompany them? He says, they will cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. Who will speak in new tongues? Believers. Any believers here? Okay, so everyone here should speak in new tongues. For those of you who have a problem thinking, ah, I haven't got the gift yet. The gift is for believers. So you need to get over your little thing. The gift is for believers. And the gift comes with the gift giver who comes and lives in you. He's Holy Spirit. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So that lack of is not, okay. So anyways, that was for someone. So, so I'm not even to my message yet, okay. So I'm just giving an on-ramp for the new people, okay. Because this is something that's normal here. We teach the gospel of the kingdom. So, so Jesus comes to proclaim the arrival of the king, dumb, in the person of the king. And so Jesus says, these signs will accompany you because you're going to go and talk about your dad's kingdom. And with it, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says that God witnesses the, the preaching of the kingdom and his salvation with miracle signs and wonders. So that's why Jesus says, those go out and preach. And he says, and these signs will accompany. Because miracle signs and wonders should always accompany the announcement of the arrival of the king and his kingdom. So when Philip went to Samaria, what did it say was happening? He preached the gospel of the kingdom in the name of Jesus, and those who were demonized were delivered, and those who were paralytic would walk. Oh, see what's happening? The evidence of the arrival of the king comes in the preaching of the kingdom. Anyone here, by show of hands, since coming to this church, have been delivered? Oh, I got to rejoice. Jesus! Praise God. Any since coming have been healed physically in some way. Raise your hands. Praise God. So, so for those of you who haven't raised your hands, if those, those things are still there, come long enough. won't take long, and you'll be raising your hand, okay? Because it comes with the oikos and with the ecclesia, which is the evidence because it's a people who are kingdom people. Ephesians says that you're no longer foreigners, but citizens of God's household, the kingdom of God. So, so that's what is yours, okay? All right. I say all that to, to get to this point. The outward manifestations are great, okay? And even the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts, great. But there's something, and I talked about this two weeks ago, we will not cast out demons in eternity, right? Because in Revelation chapter 20, they're thrown into the lake of fire, Right before the new Jerusalem descends and comes and the fullness of the kingdom arrives, all of Satan's kingdom is wrapped up and thrown into, into hell and then from hell into the lake of fire. They're gone. Okay? So we won't need to heal the sick. We won't need to cast out demons. And we won't need to do, raise the dead because in that place, the leaves are the healing for the nations. In that place, demons are gone forever. In that place, there's been a resurrection. So what will we do forever? This is the part, okay, I see a pendulum swing. People who preach the kingdom, then we get really excited that we can heal the sick. We can cast out demons. And Jesus is like, don't rejoice that, you can, that demons obey you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. So, 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 of course, they flee from you. You're a child of the most high. 
So this is just a, the this is just what it's a, a byproduct of God living inside of you and you having the one who has all authority living inside of you. We do these things, not a big deal. Okay? It is in a sense we always want to be joyful, but it's not the thing that we're most excited about. God living in us and our names being written, that's what we're most excited for. Because these other things will cease. But there's something that will never cease. Okay, so we have to put the thing that will never cease first. And then the byproduct is that we have work to do. Right? He says, preach the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. We have work to do. Amen? There is work to do. But the thing that we have to put first is the thing that will never end. Okay? So now... The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which will produce speaking in tongues, prophecy, power to be witnesses, miracles, signs, and wonders, that's an impartation. Either God does it sovereignly, which we see in the scriptures, or by the laying on the hands. Both are the way we see it in the scriptures, okay? Sometimes it's sovereignly, sometimes it's by laying on the hands. Um, I would say that mostly it should be the laying on of hands because um, f- we are supposed to go and do the work of God. Now, sometimes the church is like this, and God has to do what he told us to do. I don't like that. right? I don't like when I tell my kids to take out the garbage, and then I have to do it. I, I still will take out the garbage, but it's not the... I said to my kids, take out the... Right? So he said, go and make disciples, go and do these things, and then he has to do it. He'll still do it, right? But he said for us to go and do it, okay? So, so, but that miracle signs and wonders are really actually pretty easy. The church has this backwards. It's pretty easy. There's an impartation. Once you learn how the spirit works, you can operate with the spirit. It's pretty easy, okay? I've seen the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame walk. I've seen all of that, okay? Really pretty cool. Once I had the revelation, within six months, I've seen all that, Okay? So through my prayers, right? Within, I just revelation and then go and then, and I was like, what? I was like, what? Right? So, but there was something established long before that that made that so easy. Okay? And this is the part that will remain forever. Okay? So Jesus in Matthew chapter four heals the six, does all this stuff, but then he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And you see the chosen? that just got in the movie theaters. And you see the one in the movie theaters? Okay. So I won't ruin it for everyone else. But so he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And I call this the culture of the kingdom or the ethics of the kingdom. Or, okay, so this is, this is the way of the, 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 the convictions and culture and ethics of the kingdom. Okay. Which is the Sermon on the Mount. So miracle signs and wonders, these are the demonstration of the kingdom. But when Jesus teaches, he talks about being, being um, those who, who, who in their hearts or who, who, who weep for and who mourn for their sins and who they, these, these ones who rejoice in the midst of persecution, all these, they're the blessed ones, okay? These people who, who don't give so that people see, these people who become a light, letting the, 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 their light shine so that people can give glory to their heavenly Father, those who pray in secret, those who fast in secret, these ones, he talks, he's talking about our actions that, that, we, that are choices that we make because of the Spirit of God living inside of us. But I want you to know that these are choices that we have to make. I can, lay on, I can lay hands on you and impart to you the ability to pray in, pray in the Spirit, to worship in the Spirit, to prophesy. All of that is an impartation. Okay? 
It's baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's impartation. I cannot impart to you character. I can't impart to you godly character. I wish I could. I wish I could. Wouldn't that be nice? We'll just get all y'all mature real quick. Just get in line. Let me just mature, mature, character, godliness. I, no, 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 no. It's not possible. But there is something that will produce it. And that's why we're here on this earth. That's why God tests us. That's what trials are for. He, he says he assures us that trials will come. Some of us are asking him to, for those things to stop. He promised them. And all of his promises are yes and amen. amen. So he's not, healing is a promise. So you could be assured that you're going to get it. But persecution was too. And so were trials. What does he tell us to do in the midst of them? Count it all joy. Rejoice. Count it all joy when you go through trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its full work, that you'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. These things are used by God to cause you to make a choice. And the choice he tells you to make is to rejoice. So that your internal world will look like his internal world. So that your heart will be like his heart. This is the goal. Now, this is what we're working out. This is why we're still here. Otherwise, when you get saved, you just go to heaven. You just disappear, right? That would be like no one would come to the altar if that's how it was ha- happened, right? I'll, let you, I'll, let you, you, I'll lead you through repentance. You say yes to Jesus, and you're just gone. People are like, I'm not going for it. I don't know. <laughs> right? That would, no more altar calls. No one wants to come for it. No, no, he, he leaves us here so that our, 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 our soul, our heart, can become like his heart. In trials and tribulations and these things, what, 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 what he's given us is his spirit so that we have now the power to choose rightly to have the heart of David. But you see, David, it was trials, tribulations, all these things that produced in him, worked out the, un, the, the unprofitable things, and worked in, and it was him learning how to take hold of the Lord in all situations and rejoice. To rejoice. In all circumstances, Paul goes through some, some stuff. How many know Paul went through some stuff? In 2 Corinthians, when he names the stuff he went through, you're like, dang. Shipwrecked, beaten, stoned. You're like, and, and, and what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 4? Verse 4, what does he say? Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, Paul, he, he, he has uh, an encounter in Acts, and this is to, to the Philippians. He has this encounter with this young girl who has a demon, and so she's a psychic. This demon gives her the ability. You know that a psychic is someone who has a demon, right? Hope you understand that, okay? And you'll have a demon too if you go to them for knowledge. So, um, and so at the end of the service, if that's you, I'm not even joking, um, you just come forward, repent, and we'll get, we'll, we'll, you'll be free, okay? So, but, because that's a real thing, and it's increasing. Everywhere I go, I fly a lot. I, I'm ever, I've flown every month now, at least, I've, for like almost two years, every single month I'm on a plane going somewhere, okay? I'm in an airport, airport a lot, okay? So people are getting more bold 
with just the blatant kind of witchcraft and those things, okay? Bill, right? You know what Bill looks like? Big old goat-headed man. And, he, and this guy, I'm in the airport um, and um, with Pastor Elia. Where were we at? Some air, oh, we were down in L.A. And uh, from Hungry Jane, Pastor Elia from Hungry Jane. And um, this guy, we're waiting in line. The guy behind us has a Bill shirt on and Bill has a head in his hand, you know? And I'm just like, man. And it's got all the, you know, the demonic symbols and all this stuff. And it's just like, you don't wear that without knowing what you're wearing. You're not just like, that's a cool looking shirt. No, you're like, I know what that is, right? That's a willful, you know what you're worshiping. So, so I'm seeing that everywhere. I was at my kids' soccer game yesterday. Both mom and dad, both probably 30 years old, both super dark and everything they have on, but their shirts is just declaring what they worship. And it's intentional, very detailed witchcraft stuff. And just sadness and oppression. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus. This is, I don't even know where I was going with that. Shakalaka. Psychics, he casts out this demon out of this little girl, and he gets beaten because of the man that was making money off him and drugged through the streets and put in prison. And this is what he's saying to do. In the midst of that, he said, hey, whoa, hey, don't worry. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. You know, rejoicing doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. Gratitude doesn't have to do with your situation that's in front of you, okay? doesn't have anything to do with that. Thankfulness, none of that. In fact, when Pastor Brian Davenport was here, he said this. He says, uh, where you find a lack of gratitude, you'll find a sinful nature. Wow. So I want, I want to, I say all this to say that the, the inner workings, when I look at Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the inner workings of the believer, the things that should remain forever, one of the keys, one of the keys to the life of the believer that we're supposed to live as if eternity has already come. Church. We're supposed to live as if we're already in the fullness of the kingdom. You're already in the kingdom. It's just not the fullness of the kingdom. See what I'm saying? So he wants you to actually live as if you are. Being loving and kinding, sharing, and all these, as if you already have the endless source of resource. Right? This is why we can be compassionate and generous and all this because we're seeking first the kingdom. He says, don't worry, everything will be added. Don't worry about what you wear, what you eat, what you're, where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about any of that stuff. He says the pagans, yeah, of course, they should worry about those stuff. But not so with you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those things are going to be added to you. You have a dad again. You didn't before. You were orphaned, but now you've been adopted. And your dad has everything you need. So worry about nothing. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about anything. Okay? Okay. Now I want to take you on a journey. So... I want, I want you to look at, you can turn there if you want, Matt, uh, Isaiah 35. I want to just read it real quick. This is an imagery of, it says this on the title. Now, I have a friend in here who has red hair like I have red hair, and I know she loves this passage. So, I've heard her talk about it. She said, I know that's me. The fullness of the glory of Zion is the title. Say, we like that. 
the fullness of the glory of Zion. I am bound for that place. Amen, church? So it says this, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad. I want you to see that rejoicing, gladness, joy, thankfulness, all you're going to find on the way into the new Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, Zion. Those are all the same imageries. There's, he says that the, the wilderness and the wasteland will be glad. How, how, we, how do you know we don't think of like forests or wilderness be, having like emotions? You see, I love, I love what the scripture, the wasteland is going to be glad. It's like, what? The wasteland is going to be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. How many know when a rose is closed, it's not like, oh my gosh, look at this rose. But when it opens, you, you see something that you, you wouldn't have expected. How many know you don't expect this little green thing that's closed up to open and look like that? There's no expect. If you've never seen one before, if you're from Africa, let's say, some of my friends in Africa, they've never seen a rose before. And if you were to be able to show them, they're like, okay, cool, great. We got cooler stuff than that. And, you know, and, then, and then to watch it, maybe on, what's that called? The laps or how fast? And it's just... I remember in like third grade, they'd always show that. Back in the day, that was like the coolest thing is they could make like the fast forward. Nowadays, they got crazy cool stuff. But when we were kids, it was, we were entertained by much less. So, <laughs> so the flower opened up and it's just like, what? That came from that. He's saying what you think is the desert one day will blossom and we'll go, that's what the desert was supposed to be like before the curse, before, what? And he says there's going to be rejoicing. It's going to blossom like a rose. Meaning the things that you look at that currently are amazing, like you don't go to a desert and you're like, wow, this is beautiful. There's a kind of a form of beauty, but it's usually a wasteland. It's just like, yeah, don't stay there too long, you'll die, right? And what are those? Vultures will eat you, right? So it's usually not the place that you're like is the most beautiful. He's saying even the worst possible places you can imagine, when God shows up, they're going to turn into what they're supposed to be like. And you're going to go, what? Imagine some of the most beautiful places. What's going to happen to those places? Right? You're just going to go, and just fall down under the beauty, just be taken... Taken over by, are you kidding me? This is what it was supposed to be like? When people are on this earth, and I don't have enough time, I haven't got into the beginning of my message. So anyways, <laughs> that's how I feel right now. Just, okay, it's much more beautiful when God shows up than it is now. Okay, this is not how, you know, when we get enamored by the sunset or, you know, the mountains. I, I, I live in a beautiful place. Um, it was a wasteland, it was a hill, and we turned it into a house where we can oversee the Hood Canal and the mountains, right? And so it's like, but no one bought it. It was for sale forever because no one thought they could build something there, and we just had the imagination of the Lord, and we were able to see, I think we could build something here. And so now it overlooks the water and the mountains, and, and when it snows right now in this season, and it's still clear, and then you can see, it's just like, what? I keep taking photos as if it's changed. You know what I mean? It's like so beautiful, but I can't wait until the Lord shows up because I don't think I've seen anything yet. So look what it says. It shall blossom 
like a rose, verse 2, it shall um, blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. Glad, uh, glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. it the, the excellence of camels and, of, of, and, and, and Sharon. And they shall see, how come these things are happening? They shall see the glory of the Lord, the glory of Yahweh. The excellency of our God. It says what's going to happen? It'll strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, right? How many of you that literally God's been healing you, that those things are happening to you because God is coming in this place. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, don't be afraid. Behold, God will come with vengeance. With recompense of our God, he will come and save you. What's Jesus' name? Yahweh is salvation. He will save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like deers, and the tongues of the, uh, of, of the, the, the dumb or the mute shall sing. And the water, water shall burst forth, forth from the wilderness, and streams from the desert. And, 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 and parched ground shall become pools. Thirsty land springs of water. And this inhabitation of jackals where, they, where each lay shall be grass and reeds. The highway, this, a highway shall be there. And the road it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass on it. But it shall be for others. Whoever walks on the road... Although a fool shall not go astray, no lion shall be there, uh, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Any redeemed here? The redeemed shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and, and sorrow and in its sighing shall, shall flee away. This is, this is the highway church that you're currently on. Who's heading to Zion? Who's on their way? He says, that where there was once parchedness, there's going to be water and springs. Where there was once uh, 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 sighing and, and sadness, there will be rejoicing and gladness. Where there was a, a brokenness or blindness or deafness or muteness, you'll be able to hear, see, and speak. And you will rejoice because you have seen the Lord there. And you've been experiencing the Lord. This is supposed to be a, 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 an imagery of your life. One day forever, but now even. Now even. Let me show you. Go ahead and go to Luke 17. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, Jesus, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, that he entered a certain village. There he met 10 men who were lepers. Now, leprosy is a, a disease that kills your, your nerve endings. Part of it, well, your flesh will begin to die and, and um, parts will begin to um, fall, fall off. Not good, okay? Very contagious. So you're no longer able to be a part of your family, your business, your children. You weren't, you, you weren't allowed to, okay? 
had to stay away from anyone and everyone who didn't have leprosy. So they would make lepros- leprosy col- colonies. And if anyone came by who didn't have leprosy, they would have to, they would have to announce themselves. Unclean! Unclean! Just so you would say, oh, oh, I don't want to go over there. Right? This is his life. These, these ten men's life is, is that they have leprosy and they have to stay far away. It says, they stood afar off. You see it? Verse 2, the end of verse uh, uh, 12. They stood afar off. They lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Yahweh is salvation, Yeshua. Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, important, right? We know that the, very important that he, he said he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you sozo. The word well there is sozo, which means more than just physical healing. He says when he saw that he was healed, that's a different Greek word than well. Okay, the word sozo can be translated saved, healed, delivered, or whole, or well. Okay, so this is why the church has named this. I think it's one of the most powerful words in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you shall name him Jesus, for he shall sozo his people from their sins. So Jesus, so I want, to, I want you to see something. I want, you, I want you to see that rejoicing it leads to stuff, okay? We are supposed to have, I said it two weeks ago, you have everything of something, but not everything of, of everything, okay? So you, you have all of, of something, but not all of everything. That's how I said Meaning you have all of your loves completely. There's one thing you have everything of, and that's the love of God. And from this place, everything else should work itself out, Okay? Meaning, he's, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. But I want you to see that joy is actually a, the byproduct of rejoicing because of love. God did, does something. He gives you something. You're grateful, so you rejoice or have joy. And so this man, I want you to follow this pattern. He obeys the command. First, he seeks out Jesus for his solution. Want you see that? And Jesus says nothing except go show yourself. You show yourself after you're healed. Do you know this? If you're healed, you go show yourself. They're not healed yet. <laughs> he says go show, show yourself. Yeah, that takes faith. Jesus is implying go show yourself. No evidence yet. 
that I have what I need to go and show. On the way, in obedience, the miracle happens. You know, obedience leads to miracles. I want you to see that obedience leads to miracles. And in this miracle, he comes back and he worships Jesus. He says that he, with a loud voice, glorifies God, falls on his face and gives thanks. I want you to see that thankfulness produces worship. In fact, there are seven words in Hebrews, in, in the language of Hebrew, for worship. And all of them have to do with thankfulness. There's seven words in the Hebrew language for worship, and all of them are connected to, to gratitude or thankfulness. So God does something for him, and he's filled with gratitude, and he goes and he worships. I would say joy is what you see through gratefulness, and worship is what God sees. But it's a byproduct of gratitude or thankfulness. I want you to see that nine of them don't come back. And he says, is it only the foreigner? Meaning Jesus sees 10 people. One of them's a foreigner. The one who, who would probably think, yeah, they're all going to get healed and I'm not. Because I'm a foreigner. I don't deserve this. They're Jewish people. If, if the Messiah is going to heal someone, it's going to be his people. And he was hoping to sneak in in the crowd and maybe, maybe, maybe he would get. It's usually those who, 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 who didn't expect and don't assume and don't presume who really rejoice. And this one who didn't probably even expect that it was going to happen, for him at least, is overwhelmed with gratitude. And he goes back giving thanks. And Jesus is like, where's the others? But I want you to see that giving thanks, he, he gets even more. Giving thanks multiplies. As, as Pastor Brian Davenport said, he, he, he said, heaven is a sucker for gratitude. It can't help itself. So when he gives thanks, it multiplies what he had because he only had healing physically. And Jesus says, now you have sozo, which has to do with the spirit and the soul. It has to do with spirit, soul, and body. But he already had the body thing. But now he gets even more. Okay. I don't have much time, so I want to go back a little bit. I want you to see something. The chapter actually starts with something. Chapter 17. Jesus says, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through which they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Then that he should offend one of these little ones. So he says, woe to the ones who cause offenses. But then he says to the one who is offended, take heed to yourself though. If your brother sins against you, right? If you're the one who's being offended, he says, rebuke him or correct him. If he repents, forgive him. But this is where it gets hard. If he sins against you seven times in a day, then seven times and returns to you and says, I repent, 
forgive him. So the first part's like, hey, if someone sins against you, forgive them. And they're like, okay, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, okay. And if he does the same exact thing seven times in the same day, forgive him. I want you to see he says, you shall forgive him. Not you should. He gives a command. Oh, this is hilarious. Look at what the disciples say. Verse 5, the apostle said, increase our faith. <laughs> We're gonna, uh, okay, well, you're gonna need, we need help. Give us faith. We, I don't think we could do that. I love that. They're so real. They're like, uh, going to need help. How many of you, you're with the disciples. You're like, I'm going to need help. Listen, I'm married. I got kids. Even on the second time, right? It's like, I'm struggling, right? Because I just told you not to do that. How many with your kids? I just said, I just said, don't do that. And they're like, you know, it's like, whoo, he said, even seven times, forgive them. They're like, you're going to need to increase our faith. We need help. And look what Jesus says. This is cold-blooded, all right? <laughs> he says, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up from the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey. He's like, you don't need faith. You need obedience. Give us faith. No, you don't need faith. You need to obey. You might think, I don't have reason for rejoicing right now. And Paul says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He's commanding you to rejoice. I would need this or I would know you need to obey. You need to choose joy. You need to choose to take your attention off of what's not been done and put your attention on what has been done. And you need to rejoice. He's like, you don't need your circumstance to change. You don't need more faith. You need to obey. Look what he goes on to say. This is, I, I'm, can I just be honest? I've read this parable he's about to get into, and it took a while. Listen, if I don't understand something when I'm reading, I read it again. If I don't understand, I ask God for help, and then I read it again. And if I don't understand, I ask God for help again. I get a commentary, and I read again. I'm like, what is going on? This is one of those passages, okay? He says, And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once, sit down to eat. But, when he, uh, but will he not rather say, Prepare something for my supper. Gird yourself and serve me. Till I have eaten and drinking, and afterwards you can eat and drink. So he says, someone, someone, one of your servants has worked all day long, field, shepherd, doing all the work. He's tired. He comes in. And at the end of the day, will you say to him, go ahead and get something to eat and drink? He says, no. You'll say, serve me. Feed me. And when I'm done, then you can. I'm like, I don't think we understand servants, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's hard. He says, do you think that the servant, because he did the things that uh, were commanded him, um, do, does he thank the servant? Does he say thank you when the servant did the things that he was commanded? I think not. 
So likewise, you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we, what was our duty to do. He says, you can't even be like, man, I did a good, he's like, no, that's just to, to forgive, to obey, and to forgive. You can't even pat yourself on the back. You have yet to do good. You have just done what was required of you. That is hard. How many of you go, okay, I'm just going to be honest, increase my faith. <laughs> You're like, give me some faith. It's like, you don't need faith. You need to obey. Whew, this is hard. But I want to see, I want you to see how it's connected right afterwards is this parable. These 10 people encounter Jesus and he says, go and show yourself. And they obey. What is the, what is, there is a benefit to the obedience. It leads to a miracle. But I want you to see something. But the one who returned and gave thanks. There is a secret here. They all got what is just plainly a benefit, a benefit, a benefit of the kingdom. They all got healed by obeying. Jesus gave a word. They obeyed. They received healing. But only one did the more and came back rejoicing. And he got even more. He got everything. He got the spirit, the soul, and the body. God wants to give even more. He says, when you just do this, can he really pat himself on the back? And No, no, no. But there was a secret given here. But there is something you can do. And that is to choose to be, to, to be grateful and to rejoice. And in that rejoicing, what, did, what, what multiplied the bread? Do you see Jesus is feeding the 5,000? The disciples see what they don't have. Jesus says, just give me what you do have. Well, we have a couple biscuits and a couple herring. We don't have much. Give it to me. What did he do right away? Lifted it up. Gave thanks. What happened when he gave thanks? Miracle. <laughs> Multiplied. I want to say this because many of you, you pray from a place of only recognizing what you don't have. And there's a, there's a, there, he says, you can do this. This is legal. To forgive is just an obligation. You can do this. But in a sense, let me show you a more excellent way. Now, I say this because in this house, inner healing, deliverance, miracles, those things, anyone that's been here for any period of time have, have come into wholeness that they didn't have when they came in, came into freedom that they didn't have, right? When we talk about miracles and we sing that song, I love that up here singing a man who a year ago didn't have lungs, couldn't breathe, right? So we have to rejoice. I'm telling you, we have to rejoice. 
up here singing just the testimony of those who are, who are rejoicing. What God has done for them. They have to rejoice. But when you have, now supplication is legal in the kingdom, right? Supplication is prayer, prayer when you have need. This is, this is good. Your father already knows what you need, but this is, this is okay. You can go, instead of worrying about it, you go to God for it. That's great. But what I would like to suggest a, a, more, a better way, a more excellent way, is that I first, if, if there's something going on in my family, if there's something that go whatever, and that's why I start in prayer, I'm starting from a hole, right? I'm, going, I'm starting from what I, my lack. But what will happen from that place of lack is, is, is where your heart posture is in, in, in lack is completely different when I start with coming to a place and I start to look at the record of what God has done for me. Because usually this lack has some anxiety behind it, doesn't it? When your bills need to be paid. When someone needs to be healed, when someone needs to be made whole, when something's going on, when someone needs to be saved, whatever it is, there's usually some anxiety behind it. So you'll pray from this place, oh God, come on, God. And it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a void there. And you're hoping God might. But the best place to do, because that's like from earth, is go and realize you are already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And take inventory of what our God has already done for you. Because it multiplies what needs to be done. Let me tell you, it multiplies what needs to be done. And what he has done is a witness to what he will do. And so we enter his gates with thanksgiving in his courts. What are we coming to his court for? Usually that when you come to David or come with what you got, some kind of judgment you need. Meaning you have a supplication. You're in need. He says, you know how you come before him? The, en the entry place is not carrying this need. Oh, God, I hope the king will hear my case. He says, you want to know what opens the gates? Gives you way into the courts of the king. Thanksgiving and praise. And now when you pray... Already having in your heart that you know your God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine. When you bring this thing before your king, you're like, yeah, this little thing. I already remember how you healed and how you raised and how you delivered and how you provided and how you... So this thing, you're ready. The certainty of this thing, the thing that was this big before you turned your gaze away from that which was yet to be done and put your gaze on what has already been done. That thing is way smaller. Where there is a lack of gratitude, there is a sinful attitude. And instead of focusing on what your spouse isn't yet, and instead of focusing on where you haven't received or all those things, let us turn our attention on what God has done. And fill our heart with gratitude. Bring your supplication, but wait until your heart is already filled with thanksgiving and praise. 
and watch how it multiplies. Heaven is a sucker for gratitude. It'll find you. It'll find you. So I want to take a moment. We have like not very long. Is there anyone here? Listen, this is, uh, I love Pastor Brian Davenport. When he first came, he gave a message on rejoicing. That's why I keep saying that. And because what he said was he, we had just got the building and he's like, this is amazing. And everyone's like, and he was like, okay, I had a message, but that is in the, he said, are you kidding me? God gave you, are you, and you give me a golf clap? He was like, wow, let me teach you guys about something. He says that my wife, he says that the rule in his house, his wife created this rule. He said, whenever someone, God does something for someone else, we rejoice as if he did it for us. He said, she's, that's the standard. If someone else gets a house, he's like, we rejoice like as if we got a house. Someone else gets healed, we rejoice like we, if someone had miracle money, we rejo- act like it was ours. And we rejoice with them as if it was our miracle. And we we're like, we like that. Right? And John Carter, who just got sent to Ireland, ran up and down and back and forth and spun and all just rejoicing when people started testifying. So I want to take a second. Is there anyone here? I'm going to ask a couple questions. And I want, when we ask this and someone stands up, for you, those of you who haven't received, to rejoice with them as if it was your miracle, because I dare to say you might get your miracle in the midst of your rejoicing. Is there anyone here that in your time coming to Sozone, you're going to stand up and we're going to rejoice with you that you were physically healed from something? Go ahead and stand up. Let's rejoice. Jesus, we say thank you. I thank you, Lord. Lord, we rejoice and we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you for your healing power, Lord. We rejoice and we are grateful, Lord. We're abundantly filled with joy. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, take a seat. And Cindy was rejoicing because two weeks ago she rejoiced cancer-free. Jesus! Thank you, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Anyone here since coming here, you were oppressed by an unclean spirit. It was producing anxiety, fear, steal, killing, and destroying. And no longer is that your story. You've been delivered. Jesus, we say thank you that you're our deliverer, Lord. We say thank you that you're our deliverer, Lord. Thank you for delivering me, Lord, from anger, from anxiety, from heaviness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, take a seat. Listen, this will will offend the religious spirit so fast. And I hope it does. If you're kind of like, listen, you're about to get delivered, okay? Tell that thing to leave you. I'm serious. I am serious. Think about this for a second. Jesus is healing people and they're indignant. That is a religious spirit. So someone around you is rejoicing. I'm telling you, I know their story. God has delivered them. 
I know because I was delivered. Let me tell you, you have to rejoice. If we had time, the stories you would hear of the people who just stood up, I'm telling you, because I bared with those people, some of them for hours until they were free of things that afflicted them for so long they couldn't remember. And they're free. So let me ask, is there anyone that's been freed since coming here? Will you stand again and let's rejoice? Oh, Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we rejoice, we rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we say thank you, Lord. Anyone here that your relationship in some way, whether with your kids or with your spouse, your family, God reconciled. He healed. You forgave. They forgave. There's something. Your heart's connecting heart to heart now. And it wasn't before your prodigal came home or something's happened. And Jesus did that for you. Stand up. Thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. say thank you Lord anyone here that at some point there was a need financially and God came through and did a miracle and provided stand up and rejoice we say thank you Lord thank you Lord oh you are good is there anyone in this room you were once lost, but Jesus met you in the midst of your depravity and you are no longer lost? Thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. I say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for not leaving me in that trailer in Gorse where my heart was absolutely broken and I had no light and no hope but when I whispered your name, oh Lord, thank you for rescuing me, for saving me. What if you became the most grateful person, made yourself a list of things you're thankful for? You have your, your, your supplication, your need list when you pray. How many have a, 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 when you pray, you have a list, you're like, okay. Okay, you don't have one, you need to have one. Okay, that's good. Right? There's things in your life that are not as they should be. So you put them down and you say, I believe my God is able. And so God, I bring this before you. And you're just contending for heaven to invade that situation and make it as if it was perfect. I want you to make a list of things that you're grateful for. Make a record. Love keeps no record of wrong, but it doesn't mean it doesn't keep a record of the good things that God has done. That's the record you're legally able to make. This Thursday's Thanksgiving. You can take a seat. 
You're going to be with your family. How many got unbelieving family members, unsaved, maybe wandered away from the Lord? Some of you didn't raise your hand. I want to rejoice with you. Holy smokes. That's crazy if that's true. Some of you just will never raise your hand, but for those who, who all your family members are saved, that's amazing. But I have family members who are not saved. And I, I don't want when they ask, well, how's it going? What's your response? Well, you know, the economy, you know. Oh, well, you know, Biden or whatever. Oh, well, you know, stock market. Is that what's on the top of your heart? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and the thing that's overflowing your heart is those things? I just challenge you. Now, listen, there's a danger here. Multiple, and I could go on. I'm not going to because the next gathering is probably already here waiting. But when you celebrate, but it's about you, your family is going to feel that. But when your celebration is about God, when we celebrate but we have an orphan spirit, people can feel it. It's more about boasting. Well, you know, just got back from St. Martin, you know. I know you can't tell because I'm white, but. And, you know, I'm really important. do important stuff, you know. We can act like that with, because even when we're saying something that's innocent, but I, I was trying to exaggerate a little bit, but we'll share some stuff sometimes for the sake of their hearts being, you know, thinking well of us. No, 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 Forget about you. What has God done for you? And when you share it, it's, it's more about just your gratefulness to God. And I'm telling you, your unsaved family members, there's stuff in their life that they wish was not as if it, it, it... And when you begin to testify, I believe when it's about God, there's something on your testimony that releases power for God to do it for them. Faith for them. There's grace on the preaching of the word, right? And that grace produces faith in those hearing it. I think your testimony about the goodness of God, if it's really about God and not about you, it'll produce faith for God to do it in their life. Some of you come forward each week, and I welcome it for this, for that, this and that. But some of that stuff that you keep getting delivered from that's continual, not all of you, but for some of you, it's because you won't guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus and choose joy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as a father up here spanking you right now. I'm just, uh, you know, because I welcome it. I, I love the hunger that you'll keep coming until you're, but I want to give you a secret. Sometimes it's because you're focused on the negative and the enemy, it gives him power. But when you choose to focus on what God has done, it'll guard your heart. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your heart. Some are coming in, I think, for the next gathering. Welcome. <laughs> you can come. It's fine. But the, the next gathering will start in one minute. Lift, stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you guys.
For those of you who have come in in the last couple of minutes, this is the end of a gathering. Uh, I don't talk much about politics. I don't talk much about that kind of stuff. I just challenge you. I see a, an, an invasion in the heart of the church, a political spirit. It speaks bad. It speaks negative about so much stuff. I don't, I don't do that. Anyone here that knows me, I don't do that. I pray for my president. I pray for my governors. I pray for those people. Some of those prayers is that they would repent. But it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And I'm telling you, I don't care who is in office. They are not perfect. I'd be praying for them. So I don't bring, that's not the, the conversation. I'm going to turn every conversation away from negative and away from those things in a gentle, kind, loving way. And I'm telling you, I almost always get an opportunity to testify what God's done. I challenge you to focus on those things. Fill your heart this week as you anticipate as a believer going in to be with your family. Maybe some are unbelievers. They would see light. They would see rejoicing. They would see genuine peace and joy. Lift up your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you. Father God, I ask that the, your grace would fill the hearts of your people to choose joy. to choose to turn their attention and their affection away from fear and anxiety and put it upon the king. To turn their attention and their affection away from what you haven't done and put it first and foremost on what you have done. And I ask that, Lord, the rejoicing of their heart would overflow and touch the hearts of their family members. I do ask that you would give them opportunities to testify about the king. And I ask that, Lord, even next week we would have testimonies about family members who get saved. As these saints, as these who are called the light of the world, encounter them. I, I ask that you give us great boldness. Father, I ask that you give us great boldness by your Spirit. Father, I ask that you give us great boldness by the Spirit to love to share, and to lead our families to the truth. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.